The Secrets of Stargate is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Stargate. General West Jackson has identified the seventh symbol. All right, here we go. We are about to try to make a connection. All we gotta do is bust out of here, commandeer the ship, and fly on home. say that a lot. I know that this could be dangerous, but this is our job, right? It's what we signed on to do. It was never about going home. It's about getting us to where we're going. Hi, I'm Jack Barazzini, and you're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, where we talk about the hidden meanings and deeper layers found in the Stargate movies and series, including SG-1, Atlantis, Universe, and more. Joining me today are Father Corey Sika. Hi, Father. How's it going, Jack? Pretty good. How about you? Oh, doing well. And Lisa Jones. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Jack. How's it going? Doing well. And Victor Lambs. Hey, Victor. Hi, Jack. Today we are discussing the fourth episode of the first season of Stargate SG-1, entitled Emancipation. All right, in this episode, the USS Enterprise has traveled to Ligon 2 for a vaccine, <laughs> found only on that planet, and they're needed, that is needed to cure a plague. Oh, wait, sorry. Wrong, wrong summary. <laughs> we'll get to that, that here in a confused. second, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in this episode, which is the fourth episode of the season, they travel to a planet named uh, Simarca. And they encounter a race of uh, Mongol-like humans who uh, they still follow their ancient practices of basically giving their women no rights. They capture Captain Samantha Carter and they sell her to an enemy tribe. Yeah, ready to dive into this? The women. How much for the women? <laughs> I want to buy your women. <laughs> if you have seen the Blues Brothers. <laughs> so as... as uh... Jack implied at the beginning of his little summary there, this is a retread of a TNG episode. Interestingly, it was the fourth episode of the first season of TNG, just as this the fourth episode of the first season of (laughs) SG-1. And interestingly, they were both written by Catherine Powers, who, to be fair, wrote quite a bit for SG-1 after this. This just happens to be a really interesting one she wrote. And they are very much the same story. They're different shells different scenarios. Here's here's the comparison, okay? The first, I'll, tell, I'll do two things. Code of Honor first, Emancipation second. Code of Honor, the planet has a vaccine they need, Emancipation. The planet has a painkiller that they need. Code of Honor, Tashiar is kidnapped by Luton, a leader, Emancipation. Samantha Carter is kidnapped by Abu, a leader's son, Code of Honor. It's an African tribal culture, Emancipation. It's a Mongolian tribal culture, Code of Honor. They operate by a G funny for the title code of honor emancipation they operate off of ancient laws code of honor the visiting leader is an honored guest in emancipation people who come to trade with the tribes are honored guests code of honor tashiar is to become the first one wife the the main wife the the lead wife emancipation carter is to become one of the wives code of honor they refuse to return Tashiar back to the Enterprise. In Emancipation, they refuse to trade Carter back to SG-1. Code of Honor. There's a hand-to-hand fight between Tashiar and Yorina, the original first one wife. In Emancipation, there's a hand-to-hand fight between Samantha Carter and Turgon, the leader of the Bad Tribe. Code of Honor. Tashiar wins, but both survive. 
Emancipation. Samantha Carter wins, but both survive. Code of Honor. The status of rule changes to Urena, the first one. In Emancipation, the status of women change in one of the tribes. There's absolutely no parallels between these two episodes whatsoever. None at all. If None. anything, it's very original. Yeah, yeah it, it, I will say that this episode is better than the original Code of Honor. And if you've listened to Secrets of Star Trek, by the way, you can listen to Secrets of Star Trek seventy-seven to hear about Code of Honor. If you want to hear more about that episode, but if you listen to Secrets of Star Trek, Gene Roddenberry was known for his his understanding about women. Shall we say he was not a good person, and he had. <laughs> A very sexualized view of women. And that led to some problems, actually, in TOS especially. And Code of Honor, the fight scene, is not as nice as the one is in Emancipation. It's very sexualized. So... Uh, yeah, the, these, this very much is a retelling of Code of Honor just in the SG-1 universe on a Mongol planet instead of an African tribal planet. Yeah, and it's, it is better because the production quality is better, and I feel like it's overall less, it's less offensive than Code mm-hmm. of Honor, but it, that's kind of grading on a curve, really. It's still pretty cringe. <laughs> it's a better actor. Yes. Yeah. yes, definitely. Yeah, Kiri Tagawa, of course, you've seen in, you know, Lots of combat movies. You've got uh, Soon Tech O, who's another Asian actor mm. you've seen everywhere. So, I mean, there's some good actors in here. Yeah, overall, it's just really very, very dated for its uh, time. Like, you could not make a television episode like this nowadays, which is not necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> it's it's cringe on so many levels. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, even even I mean, when the effects, you know, we only get one effect shot in the entire uh, episode, which is kind of a bummer for, a, you know, a science fiction television show. But we get that opening shot and it's a very nice pullback pullback on Odo's bucket. Space Nine, <laughs> And uh, actually, it's the Stargate, but they're zoomed in so far that the aliasing on the uh, on the puddle effect is uh, is very noticeable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it starts off with them transporting to the planet Simarca and they it looks very obviously like Vancouver, like like a lot of this. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> But so they uh, they encounter a young boy being chased by two rabid dogs. They chase them off and rescue him. Everything seems fine until he realizes that Samantha Carter is a woman. And then his uh, father comes. Yeah, so they take her back and they force her to dress in like this very elaborate, like, I don't even know what you Princess call it. Princess outfit. Yeah, it's not really, because it doesn't look like any sort of historical outfit. It looked like it looks kind of like a Disney World outfit, but with like a Persian face Some covering over Bali, it. Bali, yeah, influence on it, yeah. I do think it is somewhat reminiscent of traditional Mongol garb. Yeah. It it, it is based off it. And th- this is, these are supposed to be from, you know, modern day Mongolia. They are supposed to be of the Mongol tribes. Right, because he identifies themselves as the people of the steppe, which is the the Mongols. And we get this uh, great reaction shot, uh, if you can sense the sarcasm in my voice, where uh, where, <laughs> where Daniel Jackson and O'Neill turn into basically cartoon wolves hitting themselves on the head with a with a shoe as their tongue lolls out of their yeah. mouth, and while when they see her in a uh, you know fairly you know modest dress, Teal in in his way did too. He raised an eyebrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, O'Neill actually had he was kind of laughing if you look at it the other two are you know very like wow and he's over there kind of laughing so i thought his reaction was he was in the very back it was the best yeah definitely he had his uh sarcasm turned up to 11 in this episode too i noticed it yeah, yeah. I, I will say that watching this episode for this recording was the first time I'd watched this episode in, I mean, probably over a decade because it's not one of my favorite episodes. And uh, I will say I hated it less this time 
Mm-hmm. And probably because I hadn't watched it in so long and because I didn't like it. And so, <laughs> I, you know, I, I walked away with a little better feeling about it because I was expecting, you know, all of the, you know, you're expecting it, right? All of the awful mm-hmm. stuff. But I just felt like it was so out of character for Carter. I mean, the whole episode was just, oh, yeah. I mean, it, it was it was very much they're trying to make a point and say something. And the only ones that were in character, only one that was in character was Tilt. And he yeah. said like five lines the entire episode. He said nothing. But to be fair, he has the absolute, one of the best lines in the whole 10 seasons is at the very end of this episode. That is one of the best lines ever. What's in Oprah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're still wondering that. I know. <laughs> we walk around my house saying that all the time. <laughs> Excellent. So... So you mentioned Teal'c, and uh, in this episode, he definitely has his frown dialed up to about uh, 11. He has his, his frown set to kill. He hadn't really settled into the role completely yet, but uh, he managed uh, going forward to be a little uh, uh, more stoic without the the full frowny face. Right. I do also find it interesting that they set Samantha Carter up to be this like powerful character who like can take care of herself, but then they immediately jump into doing kind of a damsel in distress episode. Which they didn't really, it wasn't as bad as it could have been because she does actually do some stuff for herself. But it just seemed like an odd character choice. Mm -hmm. Especially since she's the scientist. And when the boy captures her, right, and it's her and him, could she not have struggled or, I don't know, fought then or gotten away? It just seemed a little much like, oh, okay, you've captured me. Now lead me to wherever you're going and then I'll beat someone up. I I don't know. Like I said, very Mm -hmm. out of character. It didn't make any sense to me. Right. So, yeah, the son, Abu, he takes her to sell her to the chief of the rival clan. And so they have this whole bit where he takes her in there and he wants to sell her and the guy's being your kind of typical, like, thuggish chieftain man. And he offers him, like, 300 uh, coins of gold for her, but he only wants to marry Turgan's daughter, who it turns out he's in love with. And, of course, he turns that down. And so he says, you can take the gold or I'll kill you. And so Abu leaves. but And then he makes a plan with the daughter so they can escape together. And we end up finding out from uh, Abu's father that the reason their women have no rights and they keep them hidden away was because there were ancient demons who would come and take the women, which is obviously the gold. And which was an interesting thing. I feel like that was the most interesting aspect of this episode was kind of looking at the sociology behind why they would have this, this rule, which yeah. they don't do this in Code is, of Honor at all. Right. Yeah. And this is one of those episodes that kind of breaks Stargate when you think about it, because um, everything we've, we've known about Stargate is the Gould last visited earth 5,000 years ago. The people rebelled against Ra and buried the Stargate. And that's how earth has been left to evolve uh, on its own and, and flourish. But you have episodes like this, and then there are a few other ones later on where, um, you know, there are medieval peasants who have been abducted. But if if these people were taken from Earth 900 years ago, it would have had to have been, you know, by spaceship and flying over the planet, they would have seen, you know, basically the rate of development that was going on in, you know, Europe and the Middle East and stuff. And, uh, they would have enslaved pretty much the entire planet at that point, not just taken a few localized tribes, I think, unless I'm misunderstanding completely what's going on. That's yeah, that seems to be 
what was going on. And this also has the issue that comes up a lot in science fiction and fantasy where you have a static culture where – so these people were taken about 900 years ago. And since then, there have been no cultural developments at all. Like you'd think there'd be some sort of differences between 900 years ago and now. Well, and they said that they – I mean they made that reference that the Gould hasn't been around, but yet they haven't progressed. Whereas they said, you know, on Earth, the Gould went around and that's how we have progressed. So I felt like that line about why the women were shut up was because of the Gould was kind of a throwaway explanation. Oh, we'll just put this line in here to kind of give it a reason. Um, Because I'm not sure why telling the women they can't talk and taking away their rights. How did that help protect them from the Gould exactly? Because I think this is probably a case of the writer took the Code of Honor story and reworked it for Stargate and they needed a reason for it because it was a different reason from she looked at the she looked at the Stargate, you know, Bible, quote unquote, their production Bible and said, "Okay, here's where I need to make my story fit within this. Right. And they do some weird things, too, with Turgon, where they try it seems like they try to humanize him at the end. So basically what happens is the daughter and Abu run away and he catches the daughter. And as their law states, he has to stone her to death. And so he's following the law and the daughter's pleading and saying, will you forgive me? And he whispers in your ear, I forgive you. And then he turns around and says, stoner. So it's I don't know if they're trying to say he's not really a bad guy. He's just following his cult his laws but they imply so many horrible things that he's done he doesn't really get a pass very contradictory they want to they want to make him where you're supposed to have some sort of empathy for him but at the same time they give you lines like he never hits a woman if she doesn't deserve it (laughs) right (laughs) yeah (laughs) wow where they talk about how they have to rescue samantha carter before nightfall so he does not partake of his new prize and it's just like you cannot humanize that kind of character at this point point. and yet when they stop for a snack they still set up their sundial or something so they could keep time or something i'm like okay you're, you're trying to you're racing against the clock here do you really have time to set up your sundial so you could tell if it's third bell or whatever yeah. and uh and then suddenly they all turn into perry mason too they're like hmm is there a legal precedent to challenge this and I think finally yeah. at the end, Abu says, you know, please use your weapons and free her, which is like, yes, yes, you have weapons. Just yeah. go in and take over. You don't. Yeah. There's no prime directive. I, yeah. I wanted to smack Daniel Jackson in this. He's worthless. Oh, we can't go. We can't. Well, we can't go take her back because this yeah. is part of their yeah. cultural expression and we can't interfere with that. And I mean, you can even see Jack's like, yeah. yes, yeah. we can. Yeah, and we yeah. will. Right. <laughs> well, I think that that brings up another point that they they haven't established or set up what their parameters are for what you would call, you know, prime directive. You haven't set up, when can you interfere? What are you there for? How can you, you know, you know, do you leave them be or do you get involved? And we see it in this episode and then we see it also in the next episode, it comes back up. So I don't know if they ever answer that question, but I did, I did appreciate that struggle for a moment where they're like, well, is this their culture? Can we, can't we, what do we do? And like when they were talking about stoning the girl to death, right? They're like, well, that's what they do here. So let the girl die. It's fine. It almost felt like they were kind of hanging a lantern on the issues with the prime directive. And I don't know if we can give the writers that much credit for this, but (laughs) the whole thing where they're like, yeah, what's, what should we do? And then Jack O'Neill's like, let's just go, go take her. I do like also how he trades the gun for Samantha, knowing that it only has like a few shots in it. Right. And once he shot it off in the air a few times, it's going to be useless. Yeah. 
And you say they're yeah. just popping them off in the air. It's yeah, like, yeah, it's go. not going to last. <laughs> Let's get out of here. Yeah. That was another issue. I feel like if you're, you're coming onto an alien planet, you might want to have some sort of disguise or plan rather than just waltzing right up and starting to chat with people. <laughs> No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. no, they don't figure that one out. No. They never do. Of course, there was another Daniel Jackson-ism right at the beginning where, you know, Abu is like, it's a woman, kill yeah. her, you know. She shouldn't be speaking, I'm going to kill, you know. And yeah. she's like, yeah. let's just get out of sure. here. And Daniel's, oh, no, we got to go study this. It's like, Daniel, did you notice the fact that one of your member of your crew is saying, let's yeah. get out of here? They're saying that she's already committed a crime and that they she, she could be put to death for what she just did. And he's like, oh, it's fine. We know the rule now. So you just be quiet. We're good. <laughs> Yeah. He says, if we learn their customs, we'll be okay. <laughs> you should probably do what they want. I'm like, Daniel Jackson, you are worthless in this episode. I mean, but everybody's <laughs> acting out of character here, except for, for O'Neill. And then at, at the end, we get the reference to P3X595, which we don't see anywhere in the show, where appa- apparently Samantha Carter got wasted. <laughs> Yeah. You know, which is yeah. which is again out of character. <laughs> so completely, yeah. But it, what we do see here for the first time, I think, are uh, Jack O'Neill's wraparound shades. So okay. I was very happy to see those. I did read that, and I don't. I mean, this is the first episode that you don't ever see Earth. The entire episode is on nope. a planet. And I did read somewhere else that they said this was the first one with, and I didn't notice this particularly. Daniel carrying a weapon, uh, the certain the P ninety did not. Re- I you know I really once I read that I didn't really want to rewind this episode to go check that out. Yeah. Myself. I just, you know, I was <laughs> like, look. I'll take your word for it. Do you find right? a screenshot and yeah. call it good, right? Google. It was strange how nonchalantly Daniel Jackson and Jack O'Neill took the entire situation where they basically took uh, Samantha Carter and didn't let her do anything. Like, oh, you'll just stay in this tent. We'll go out to the feast, whatever. It's funny. It's like, it's not really a good way to treat a member of your team. And then, even then, no. the next morning no. when she's missing, Daniel's like, oh, I'm sure she's here somewhere. It's fine. You know, <laughs> he's, again, not worried, not concerned. It's whatever. I I just, right. yeah. See, y'all are making me remember why I don't like this episode. It's what we want. <laughs> it also suffers from that problem that you can get with uh, shows that kind of alternate between an overarching story and episodes of the week. Uh, X-Files kind of does this sometimes where they'll set up all this stuff and it seems really, really pressing. And then the next episode is just some random monster of the week story. And it's like, well, what about the aliens are about to destroy Earth? Or what about finding Shari? Like, And then the characters within those episodes seem completely fine. But then when you switch back to the overarching story, it's like they'll remember what's going on. So you get a bit of that in here too, which I thought was funny. One thing this does kind of mention that we hadn't heard yet is that there are planets that the gold is basically abandoned for mm-hmm. reasons you know whether it is they've tapped out the resources there weren't any resources there that they were interested in whatever the reasons are and of course we see that kind of throughout the series though that there will be planets that oh yeah the gold haven't been here since you know a thousand years or whatever that is one small development at least we get in this that actually develops the plot line Sort of. Yeah, definitely. And I was trying to watch this episode from the perspective of not knowing that the show has 10 seasons and is a highly regarded show and trying to think like, (laughs) what if you were, what if you were watching this episode and it was actually the third episode or fourth episode of the show? Because I I don't think that that would be a good impression. And I actually read that um, apparently in syndication, they almost always skip this episode. They just don't even rerun it. I read that too. I, I can't think of the last time I watched it in syndication. So it's not a super sensitive portrayal of the Mongols. Oh no, that's for not. sure. <laughs> it's just a bad episode. Yeah. It's just not a good episode. I mean, there, there's reason why they don't. But yeah, I, I can't. I can imagine. You know, again, I wasn't watching season one 
when it was first airing. It wasn't until it got on sci-fi that I was able to watch it. But I can imagine if you just got done watching this for the first time, it's freshly aired and going, what (laughs) was that? Is that what this series is going to be about? I started watching in season two. So for me... Season two was my first up first season. So yeah, so this I watched this after everything had been developed a little more. I was wondering too, like how people at the time like perceived this. So I did do a little, uh, you know, digging around and you know archive the Wayback Machine <laughs> and the dark web, and and I did find that at the time that these were aired, there were there was actually like a pretty big underground community of songwriters who were writing uh, songs about mm. each episode as they aired and stuff. And you know they're very much of their time, but I found the one for this one and you know maybe at the end of the episode if there's if there's time we can play just a little bit of a clip of that (laughs) sounds like a plan (laughs) i'm sitting here trying to imagine what they sang about this episode oh you'll find out at the end of this episode (laughs) you'll you'll have to you'll have to listen to it when it's pretty good but yeah this is also interesting in a um from the point of view of when older television had like 26 to 30 episodes per season there was a lot more bad Mm -hmm. filler whereas nowadays i feel like shows there's so many shows and there's so many ways to watch tv that shows don't really get a chance to be as bad as this before they find their legs like if you were to air tng nowadays well watch doctor who lately well with discovery yeah. <laughs> they, they fix it by just having every episode be terrible so you don't have to and it, it always yeah. feels like more of a betrayal too when you're only getting like eight or oh, ten yeah. episodes and you get mm-hmm. and you get a really bad one you're like but we're only getting eight or ten episodes of this one is awful whereas if you get like 22 episode seasons you're like hey, right. well you know you're gonna get your emancipation or your broken divide here and there but yeah I think it's also easier to ignore the bad episodes in shows like this because they don't really link into a larger plot. Whereas if you have a show mm-hmm. with a season long arc and the arc is just terrible, then every episode is kind of colored by that um, discovery season. Just three. like this, um, you can you can rewatch Stargate and and most of get all of the various plots and big things that happened without watching this episode again. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Or yep. the next one. <laughs> More than next one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's th- this is kind of funny though. It's not a promising start for the series because you know, really, if you think of it, Children of the Gods and Enemy Within is a three-part pilot. You know, as we mentioned last week, and it's a very good pilot. And then you have this, and then you have the Broken Divide. Yeah, I try personally not to judge any show like too terribly harshly based on its first season because there's so much that's mm. just coming together. But, but yeah, I mean, it's. When it's a 22 episode season, there's a you know a lot more to forgive than, right. than in a shorter one. It is just funny going from that really epic ending at the end of Emony Within, where they jump through the Stargate and going out to find the universe, and then this, yeah, this. <laughs> they go to the Renaissance Fair. I wonder, and I, I I didn't see any of this online, but I just wonder if this was originally supposed to be the the next episode. You know, was was this? Is this the order that they proposed it in? Or did things get kind of moved around? Because it is it is kind of an odd, maybe it was supposed to be kind of lighthearted. I don't know. I, you know, well, like some of the jokes and stuff. One, one thing we kind of speculated beforehand, because this is a rehash of another episode from another series, is it was quick and easy for the writer to kind of slap together <laughs> yeah. and then they could right. throw it into production real quick. And so I wonder if it was one of those as they're doing their schedule, you know, because of course they're planning out both from the front mm-hmm. and from the back, you know, here's the season finale. Here's where we want to go at the end of the season. Here's what we want to do. Here's what we want to do. Here's what we want to do here. Well, now we've got this slot right after Enemy Within. What do we want to do here? Oh, here's a script that we can just kind of throw in there and let's go. Yeah, I think that that really seems like that's what happened. 
or was this like an original Star Trek, the original series thing where they showed the episodes out of order because they thought that, you know, it made more sense to show them. I don't know. I think this is actually in the production order, but yeah, this is production is, order yeah. is the fourth okay. episode. This is episode one zero. I wonder if, uh, they run it. They ran into the same issue. Um, sorry to keep referencing Star Trek, but with next generation where they needed scripts. So they just pulled a bunch of old scripts that mm-hmm. were originally for Star Trek phase two to use for the original series or use for the first season oh, yeah. of next generation. Yeah. That, yeah. Like I said, yeah, the, very much what could have happened is like, oh, here's a script we can reuse. She had the rights to it, right. so Reese tell the story and, and move on. And I did look up so. while we were talking, and she has six episodes in season one that she wrote. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, she wrote in six different seasons also. So, I yeah. Yep. Can't all be winners. <laughs> yeah. Well, and she's... <laughs> And she's yeah, got some good episodes coming up. We really do have some good ones. Thor's Hammer and Thor's Chariot. Um, so there's some there's some good ones coming up. It, it's it's just this particular one. Is- this episode, yeah. yeah, it really rubbed me the wrong way. They kind of have this, a lot of really dark implications for what's going to happen to Samantha Carter and how she is treated. But they almost play it off comedically. Mm-hmm. It just really, it really did not sit right with me. It didn't sit right in 1997 yeah. when it came out either. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, it didn't go back to this well, well it, too many times. That's for that's for sure. No, and I I, I really wonder though why. And now looking looking at her her bio on uh, the Stargate fandom site, uh, she actually was the executive story consultant of season one. So it explains why she's got a lot of stories in season one because she's the one that's saying, "Well, we got this hole to fill. Yeah. We'll all fill it." That makes sense, you know. But I I really wonder why she went she went back to this particular story because if you look at the reviews of code of honor you look at what the crew from next generation said about code of honor jonathan frakes called it a racist piece of fill in the blank to be fair to her though the decision for code of honor to cast all african-american actors for the alien species was not her decision that was something the director decided so oh yeah in her defense she did not make that terrible choice that terrible episode and and who knows? I mean, if she gets a two more, three more chances to make the same episode again, maybe one of those will be great. I think we've about covered it for that episode. Uh, Father Corey, did you have anything to add? All I can say is, it, like I said, it's better than the TNG episode, but not much. Uh, if you want to hear uh, <laughs> Dom and Jimmy, in my opinion, on uh, Code of Honor, because I kind of hinted at it. It's a pretty epic rant. Uh, episode 77 of Secrets of Star Trek, which you can find at sqpn.com slash Trek. <laughs> nice. Uh, Lisa, do you have anything to add? Oh, gosh. Let's just not. I just don't want to watch this one again. So let's just let's just move on. Yeah. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Victor? Well, you know, Jack, it's like my, my grandma always said, even the lowliest man is chief among his women. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think I can really <laughs> add to that. Uh, uh, oh, let me let me correct one thing. I kept saying episode seventy-seven of Secret Star Trek. It's seventy-four. <laughs> seventy-four. Make sure you tell people the right one. 
Well, before we go, we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Stargate, including Tom P., Susan B., Sandra C., Donna K., and Mark L. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Stargate and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Be sure to follow the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or on the SQPN YouTube channel. To find previous episodes of the secrets of Stargate and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com slash stargate you can email us at stargate at sqpn.com or follow starquest on social media at facebook.com slash starquest media or on twitter at sqpn we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next episode of sg1 the broca divide until then father Corey, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of stargate thanks jack lisa jones thank you as well thanks jack and Victor Lambs, thank you too. Thanks, Jack. And once again, I'm Jack Barazzini. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Stargate on StarQuest. Anyway, I'm sorry, but that just happens to be how I feel about it. What do you think? Oh,